Hello and welcome to the Hitman's Last Great Year, a Smack Attic podcast project. We are talking about Bret Hart's final year in the World Wrestling Federation, the great year of 1997. I am your host, Matt Vaughn, my guest co-host today. Uh, you know him from the, uh, well, what year was that uh, Ambulance movie? 2014, I think. 2014, If I Stay Film. <laughs> Will Vaughn is here, coming from the silver screen, into your earbuds. Will, thank you for being here, buddy. Let me say something very important about uh let me talk to you about Please. if i stay if i stay uh is um uh, uh will live uh uh on in my memory for a long time because just gonna say it i still get money for it every hey. year they give me a bit of money so i'd like to shout out all the writers directors and actors who are on strike right now matt striking for those residuals that they do not get with streaming if you there we do go. Something on streaming, you do not get residuals for it. I still get residuals for if I stay for I, stay. I love you, Beth Cooper, which is I made 15 years ago. Uh, I made it, not Chris Columbus. Uh, <laughs> Supernatural, Battlestar Galactica, uh, probably some other shows that I'm forgetting. I love them all, of course. Uh, so shout out to all you great writers and directors and actors for going on strike and give me a little time off. I need it, Matt, because there's so much going on here in the world, the World Wrestling Federation in 1997. People are coming back. People are getting hurt. People are getting freed from Kuwait. And uh, (laughs) angles are being played real. Reels being played fake. Who knows what's going on? I don't know my ass from my elbow, Matt. But uh, if I did, Steve Austin would come around and kick my elbow. (laughs) There's not enough There's not enough. There have been enough feuds in wrestling where one wrestler is imprisoned for a while <laughs> and then is liberated from prison legitimately, which I think is important. We're talking about Raw is War. The April it's 28th, war. 1997 episode of that show is a live show. The location was the Omaha Civic Auditorium, and you guessed it, Omaha, Nebraska. Omaha. Thank you. Uh, I'm just going to point out that there's a surprising number of states that end in Aska. Just two, but still, that's surprising to me. Also tied with Alaska? Is that the other one? Yeah. Also states that end in Kansas or or Kansas, if you will. (laughs) This is two as well. It's surprising if you think about it. Oh, man. Yep. (laughs) I I mean, I guess. I don't know. (laughs) And Will, Will, the Civic Auditorium in Omaha was about two-thirds full with 6,600 people back in a a 9,300 seat. It looked very full. Whatever sure. they did to fudge the numbers, uh, you say how much is ninety five seat, ninety five hundred seat arena? Ninety three hundred, and they had six six hundred in there. Yeah, so that was uh, That's right. you know, it looked full to me. Yeah, you're not gonna do that Meltzer thing where they're like, well, of course they cooked the numbers. You know, it's not. Sorry, that's more Laura Michaels' way way of Steve Meltzer. Well, I was with Chevy, and Chevy was saying that there weren't that many people in the Silver Dome. And that was clear to me at the time. And I don't know why they let Brock Lesnar leave the shows early. He thinks he's bigger than this. <laughs> What's going to happen with that Dave Meltzer, I wonder, you know? Uh-oh, I, podcast I curse say, coming up. I, oh, no. The podcast curse. Yeah, to be clear, the podcast curse on multiple times. We've invoked someone's name, including including Matt and Jeff Hardy's dad. And then he died before the show. Like IRL. Released, which is yeah. a very specific wrestling curse we did. Extremely we also cursed. Specific. We also cursed poor Lesnar. Leap and Lanny Poffo, the genius himself. We did. So, so we're going to mind who we talk about on this show. I mean, <laughs> thankfully, you know, everybody except for Brett and his foundation is already dead. So we can yes. go, we can go, you know, glide past that. Um, 
Yeah. I, I will say, I do think there should be, like, ju- wrestling journalists, critics. There should be somebody who says, look, I'm a wrestling critic, and I grade matches, and here's my scale. I use five stars. I never go past five stars. And they compete with Meltzer. Because we need to have more, we need to have more, uh, like, views and stuff put into things. Like, more, more, more popular. It's like, it's like if only Ebert was the only movie critic of all, anywhere. That'd be stupid, right? We need more people. But we got, like... Billions of people on YouTube reviewing we need incredible we... people, people who I'm are independent thinkers, people who are credible. Ich bin ein Kayfaber. <laughs> Will, I want to tell you what happened in last like week's episode. Back of the show. in Deutschland, Holland. <laughs> Deutschland, Holland. Oh man, it just just what a time! What a time we had. It's crowning the first European champion. Will on last Defend week's quite episode. Often. Yeah, last week's episode of Raw is War. I'll tell you about it because that'll give us context for the rest of the show. That son of a gun, Steve Austin, injured Bret Hart's knee, then attacked Bret Hart in an ambulance in a fairly famous moment. <laughs> and despite his crazed actions throughout the night, Steve Austin was also named number one contender to the Undertaker's number, uh, <laughs> WF championship. And uh. Shawn Michaels returned, and Brian Pillman returned. Will, I talked multiple times. Gorilla Monsoon looks like such a buffoon. Uh, sorry, allow me to sit some bars here. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Did John Where Cena in like, 2003? Austin, you have to stop it. And it's just like, what if you took away his title shot, Gorilla Monsoon? What if you freaking did that, my guy? Do you ever think about that, having a backbone for once? Uh, who else would face The Undertaker? He's got no other contenders. <laughs> who, who on earth? No one else. The locker couldn't. Undertaker, handicap match against the Headbangers. Book it right now. But let's go. Let's go. Make, if they... I, I always hear when I think about dumb feuds like that. I'm always like, but what if they try? What if they try? <laughs> like, what do you do, right? Like, <laughs> I think you have, to, you have to make the headbangers dangerous, though, right? That's what you have to do. Is you have to be like, ah. Well, they're they are invading the bed of a woman uh, in this very show, or I have not replayed. That sounds, replay that on sounds this very show. so much worse than what you're saying. That's, that's what they did. <laughs> I mean, her bed is being used as a, what I can understand, as a talk show set. Sunny, we will talk about it. Will uh, we also have a bonus match to talk about? We are being kind of we. You, I wouldn't say that we are having fun right now. We will have a far less fun later on. We're talking about the Owen Hart tribute match, <laughs> Bret Hart versus Chris Benoit from WCW Monday Nitro on October fourth, nineteen ninety nine. After the show, we'll be covering it. Got to talk about Owen, and uh, we have to talk about Chris Benoit while we're doing it. I mean, uh, could, if look, if the Hart family had no didn't have bad luck, they'd have no luck at all. I mean, geez, it's true. Yeah. Uh, well, I don't know if you remember our first project here on the smack attic podcast we did the smackdown six podcast oh is that when we was that when we were the only podcast on the internet uh, covering the smackdown six era of professional wrestling sorry 2002 2003 i I believe so okay i believe that was that was what we were doing at the time yeah i might know it now we're here our podcast of course called the raw is war zone uh no i'm just kidding uh that'd be be, be the worst name for podcast though it's raw is war and war zone in it covering just that time whatever it's a great idea maybe this next project just covering the same episodes (laughs) over again Here's what we said about it last time, and upon revisiting it, I actually have some new thoughts. Here to talk about it with me this week is Dave Meltzer. He's credible. He's he's a very credible person. On that show, Will, we used to I used to find on YouTube, you know, Velocity. I could find Velocity before I would watch Velocity tell you how matches ended. Oh, yeah. And I'm thrilled to tell you, Will, that just like then, YouTube coming in to show us what happened on Shotgun Saturday Night. Please to With see the it. same the same great quality of that one shotgun Saturday night that uh, we did from the nightclub was, in New York. I think it was better quality. I'll be honest with you. This time <laughs> it was, was be- better. Or th- that was better quality than the one you just watched. The one I just watched is better than what we what we did a show on. 
few yeah, weeks okay. ago. Okay, yeah. Oh, man. Uh, so, Will, yeah, let me tell you about it. I, I, saw, it, I saw it myself. Uh, Owen and Bulldog, they won by disqualification over the new Blackjacks when Blackjack Bradshaw hit Owen Hart with the European Championship belt. Don't know why that belt was the one used, but he grabbed a belt and hit him with it. Sure. I mean, it's dark in those nightclubs. Wait a minute. No, it's not. They're in that building. Omaha. <laughs> the, dar- the darkest nightclub in Omaha, the Civic Auditorium. <laughs> Um, Vader hit a Vader bomb on little Dan Choda in about 90 seconds. What was that last name again? (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) Come on, dude. Well, I'm... I don't know why, Will. I don't know why you're making fun of one Mr. Dan Choda, but... It can't be his name! It could be pronounced Chota. You can't call yourself that. Even if that... case, that's his real name, you know. I think it's on his birth certificate, man. I think it's on his IRS form, man. I think it's... Just call himself He's like gonna... Dangerous Dan Deadly or something. Chunky Dan Choda. <laughs> oh man. Uh here's Dan a weird crotch. One. Here's okay, Will. Will, this is okay. I am crotch. I am thrilled. <laughs> Can I tell you I'm thrilled right now? <laughs> no. This is weird. Ahmed Johnson beat a guy named D- Mike DeCero with a move you will not be able to guess in one million years. Jeez, but you're gonna I'm, gonna I'm gonna guess you <laughs> It'll be good. Just give thing. me one one more guess. I mean, he's been throwing lots of kicks recently, uh, Ahmed has. Oh, I'm going to guess a Canadian Destroyer. Great guess. I love it. Uh, that move that he actually used, of course, was a Splash Mountain Powerbomb from the bottom rope. <laughs> you know how people will do moves from the top rope, from the, the second rope. rope? Yeah. Ahmed Johnson <laughs> looks at that and goes, you know what? What if we were just a little bit higher off the mat? I'm talking about elevation of a foot and a half. What do you think? <laughs> tops. Absolutely tops. 18 inches at, at maximum. So, yeah, Splash Mountain. But, but the full Splash Mountain where you get him up Racer's Edge style, you drop him down like a power bomb, you sit out with it. Um, anyway, never we'll seen someone do move. We'll go into verbatim when Ahmed says uh, in his promo uh, tonight. <laughs> Looking forward to it. Looking forward to talking about it. Can I just say, I really want I, – I don't, I don't think there's any way to really make this work that well. I want to see a wrestler perch someone on the bottom rope and act like it's a big deal because that seems like a good comedy spot to me. That'd be something like Orange Cassidy do it or something, you know? You do like a superplex from the bottom rope. Yeah, I think that's a great idea. There's no, there's no way to really make it. Actually, mm, yeah, okay. I'm gonna just text Orange Cassidy. Hold on, he's Look, he's he's a pro. He can make it work. He can make it work. He's the current international champion. Oh, oh did oh, Will, did I curse him? Oh no. They're changing the belt name again because of another rock project. Is that why they changed it? Oh, no, I don't mind. Uh, yeah. Can I just say okay? I'm, I'm to the XFL clear. title. <laughs> they might. Who knows? There was a podcast a few weeks ago that I did with one Joel Willick on that podcast. So here's the thing. We record these podcasts well in advance because I'm organized. Well in advance. And you're welcome. Happy New Year, by the way. 2024. Here we go. Happy. That's it. <laughs> uh, Joel Willick and I were complaining about the the uh, the stupid thing of when, in a storyline, a heel wrestler will steal the face wrestler's belt. And pose with it? Or yeah. just like no, steal no, no, it. just take it, just steal it. Uh, and then while we were recording that on that episode of Dynamite, yeah, I think, I think House of Black did that, and I was mm-hmm. like, "Great, there it is." Cool. It <laughs> well, uh, on the on the main event of Shock on Saturday night, Crush and Savi Vega hit a pretty stiff-looking decapitation on one half of Derek Stone and Neil Haley to beat them. So it was one of those job moves where you were just like, "Hey, we're gonna work a little suck tonight," and then just, just, just crush beat a guy. the crap out of them. Did they not learn from that Rockers lawsuit? Uh, my goodness. And did they not learn from 
Doomsday Device and poor Henry Godwin last week. I also wondered why there was no Nation of Domination on this show. They were conspicuous by their absence. I almost said ubiquitous by their absence. <laughs> that makes no sense. Conspicuous <laughs> by their absence, the lack of the We Are the Nation of Dominant Colors. Don't just a man. Or bum rush your mother. Um, we missed that song this week. It was it was tragic. It's true. Uh, <laughs> well, let's talk about Raw's War. It proper. Is war. It is April twenty eighth, nineteen ninety seven. We begin with footage from last week showing us that Steve Austin won a Bret Hart in a street fight at eight oh one p.m. This is, they're putting them up at the screen. Then uh, I know it's kind of I know you would know, but I want them to know. I want the fans. I want the the smack addicts <laughs> in, in, in their homes at, waiting for the bus on the subway <laughs> to know what I'm saying. Go to work or lunch pail or Joe, or Joe lunch pails. Thank you very much. Thank you for your thank you for your service. Then, last week, 8.32 p.m., the brawl began with Bulldog and Owen jumping Austin as he watched Brett come down to the ring. Then, Shawn Michaels showed up and ran off the boys with a steel chair. And when it was just Brett and Austin, Austin evaded a pillmanizer from Brett, then attacked Brett's knee ferociously. He locked Brett into a sharpshooter, and it took a bunch of guys to get him off of Brett. And by 8.46 p.m., Austin had commandeered an ambulance and attacked Brett when he was brought to it in a famous moment. And then, at 9.53 p.m., and seven seconds. Austin came back to the mic in the ring, and he bragged about taking out Brett. He was attacked by the Hart Foundation boys again, sans Brett. And again, Shawn Michaels came out. And then Brian Pillman came out attacking Steve Austin, which is the first time we've seen him in a meaningful moment for months and months. You may remember he was recently cavorting with Sonny, I believe, on the pay-per-view, uh, and generally just being a guy who is on broadcast. But this is the first time where Pillman is coming out and being a force – on your screen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's it. Uh, famous kind of Attitude Era thing. This is one of the first kind of, you know, signs of an Attitude Era thing. I think was, I think it's an early Vince Russo written show. I think this is very clearly also a Vince Russo written show. Oh, Vince uh, has the pen. I believe he has the pen, and I believe he has the book to write with. <laughs> yes, desk to sit in, a chair to sit on. <laughs> Do you think the Triple and H is up. given a book by by Vince McMahon? He's like, here's the book. Son. Dude, and if they, there's like a 500-page notebook that goes back to like Bruno San, Bruno San Martino <laughs> over so-and-so, Garden 1960-whatever. Yeah, and it's like every single <laughs> yeah, you have match. It's like uh, spring 20, 2003. Uh, change name of company to WWE. There's <laughs> <laughs> like next to a match. It's like if there's a star. It's like star means ref bump. <laughs> Heart means chair shot. That's the thing. He's like, yeah, uh, man. Yeah, I got How much got sued for this. Be worth. Yeah, steroids. <laughs> steroids. We didn't do them. Mm-hmm. Didn't use them. Didn't use them. We can't do it. What does it? What does Kurt Angle say? I didn't do it. Well, I can't you prove can't it. prove it. Yeah, I didn't do I it. You can't that. prove it. Uh, Kurt Angle, what a gift. Uh, also a gift, uh, the Raw's War Thorn in Your Eye intro. Oh, too much dark, not enough sky. <laughs> Why art thou thine thorn in mine, <laughs> mine eye? eye. <laughs> Pyro. Thou thorn in my eye too much. I don't know. Well, it's Pyromaha, because oh, there's Pyro exploding in man. Omaha here. And yep. we, ha- we, have, we start off here with Brian Pillman. He's got an entrance theme. It sounds like a ticking clock or a bomb. Sounds like an alternate psychosid entrance option. And mm. Will Brian Pillman is entering, you know, people talk about they're entering their villain era. He's entering his televangelist era. Very much so, yeah. Brian Pillman comes out, tells us he's a deeply religious man. He said he felt bad about his actions last week until he was, con- then he was convicted by them, and he entreats the crowd to join him in prayer. First, for Bret Hart's speedy recovery, 
than to pray for forgiveness for those who liked last week in Steve Austin. <laughs> for everyone who embraces the violence of today's society, he prays for the annihilation of Steve Austin. That he would be stricken down like a demon. And I'm enjoying this. I'm enjoying what he's doing. I think, especially by the end of the night, I'm I'm, I'm actually like, okay, is this, <laughs> this this specific part of this is kind of genius, maybe, kind of, sort of. And he even goes so far as to invite people to let Bret Hart into their heart, <laughs> which I love. We have a full-on, uh, we call him the biz and altar call, uh, so let Bret Hart in, <laughs> right. which I like. Uh, and unsurprisingly, Brian Pillman is interrupted by a yelling Steve Austin on the Titan Tron. <laughs> And he implores Brian Pillman to pray that he doesn't come down there and kick his ass. <laughs> and Pillman responds by, quote, turning the other cheek. And then he bends over, showing his butt to the ramp. Yeah. His clothed, his clothed bum. Right. We're not doing a... Uh, not there's, a big... there's no Joe Buck calling this a disgusting act or anything like that. Yeah. It's no piece of the quiche. And uh, glass shatters. And here comes Steve Austin to a big reaction in Omaha. He is... Pretty firmly, he's like a guy right now, right? He's like a lot of uh, Austin 316 shirts. Definitely, yeah, definitely becoming the guy. So uh, Austin yells his way down the aisle, and he doesn't see that Bulldog of the British variety and Owen of the Hart variety are quickly following behind him. Uh, Then he does. He gets to the ring, and then Austin kind of like rolls out of the ring and away from the boys, both Pillman and the tag team champions from the Hart Foundation. And he escapes through the crowd. He's kind of he's being smart here where he's confronting Pillman, but he's also picking his shot here. Mm-hmm. And so Pillman encourages Bulldog and Owen to kneel down and pray with him again in the middle of the ring. <laughs> and he calls Bulldog Brother Davey, and old BD prays for Brett's health. And then we see Owen prays, and we see in the back. Uh, Owen is see- so funny, man. <laughs> the way he just screams constantly. Uh, man, he's funny. Yeah, we could. Well, we get to celebrate him a bit tonight, which is good. It's true. Yeah. Uh, as Owen, as Owen is praying, we see Steve Austin go into the back. He grabs an axe, and then but now he now he makes the decision that I think is maybe unwise. He takes the the head of the axe off of it. I mean, I guess if he came out with an axe, <laughs> like people know he's not going to swing. I'm going to chop you up in little pieces. I'm going to murder you guys. Well, I'm going to kill you. He finds the axe in, like, this electronics control room. There's all these, like, breaker panels and stuff. I thought he was going right. to take the axe and, like, chop the big yellow cable. And uh, you've probably heard the story, Matt, of the uh, hardcore match at WrestleMania 17 with uh, right. Big Show and Raven. And who else is in that? Was it Saturn? I don't remember who else is in that. I think so. But Raven at one point gets on a golf cart and like it almost runs over the cable that was supplying electricity to the whole thing. So basically, they almost uh, unplugged WrestleMania 17 uh, oh from gosh. happening. Um, so I thought Steve would be like just to shut them all up, just like take the show off the air or something. But now he broke off the head of the axe and took the axe handle, which is like a weirdly, it's oddly deliberate to do and it's a weird choice for a weapon it um, is very specific it is very specific i don't even know what like uh, yeah i don't know I, I wouldn't think that like to do that it wouldn't occur to me to do exactly that sort of thing there but he, he went for it it wouldn't occur to me but i guess there's just like ah, eh, this is something you don't usually do this yeah so yeah. austin hits his music hits again he runs down with the axe handle and the Heart Foundation scurries away, and he gets on the mic and says, their asses are his. Yeah, uh, give your soul to the Lord or somebody, because your ass is mine. I mean, it's a good line. It's a, I mean, it's a great line, really. Really, it's the best. Oh, Steve Austin, what a Just gift. Paraphrase uh, a Megadeth song. 
we are told we, that we're going to get Rocky Maivia versus Owen Hart for the Intercontinental title a bit later tonight. And we're also going to get Undertaker versus Bulldog in a world championship, world champion versus European champion matchup. No titles on the line, of course, because we all know how many times he's defended that European title. I mean, it'd be a problem if he did. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, if they, they immediately uh, put the titles together, it'd be bad. Um, so we go to the locker room where Brian Pillman is still praying. And, uh, yeah, he's just there. We will come back to him again later. Uh, we cut away from him quite quickly because there is the blast of pyro in the ring, which alerts us to the presence of Flash Funk. He is here to go up against Rockabilly, Billy Gunn. He is so funky. Man. Not Billy, but uh, Flash. Very funky. Well, I mean, his, his hair is a bit funkier because he's di- he seems to have dyed it, like, darker brown, I would say. Oh, okay. I didn't notice the, uh, the hair job. He's putting the work in, I believe. Uh, for the hair, I like his little. What's the little move he does? He does this kind of little like, that kind of that's, like broken shimmy sort of thing. It is rockabilly's move. Yeah, I don't know what that is. I call it stupid dancing in my thing. Like he's <laughs> he is so not committed to this. He's bit. okay. I think he's he's like he's not being like he's not selling out completely for it. But I think he's like he's he's putting himself out there and being like, hey, look at me. He's just kind of smiling. Hey, I'm evil now. Hey, I'm with Honky now, and I do kind of a dance. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he he was evil ish. He was evil ish, I suppose. Evil. I guess evil's a bit, you know. Yeah. Look, yeah, you're either good or evil. It's either good guys versus bad guys, Matthew. Okay. I like. I want my in, uh, intelligence to be insulted here. I would love to insult someone's intelligence, but I guess he's a stupid person. You, baby. <laughs> uh, we cut away from Rockabilly versus Flash Funk because someone was like, "Wait, what are we putting on the air here?" Yeah. Um, and we see an ambulance has arrived at the arena, and Bret Hart is sitting inside. Um, I gotta say, if I'm Bret Hart, I do not want to be inside an ambulance. That's uh, maybe the last mode of transportation I would use to be anywhere near a WWF facility. Definitely, and I did not know an ambulance could take you places. Like you call it just like a cab. I got to do that next time. I call nine one one. I can't get a cab. You know, I'll do. Uh, well, I guess you do the Orson Welles thing, right? You, you, you take an ambulance around town just to get from one radio station to the next. Is that what he used to do? He did that in New York, yeah. Oh, I don't know if he did it for sure, but this is something I've <laughs> heard of or read one time. It's like, yeah, or, or someone else had to take new uh, ambulances around New York to get from one radio station to the next. Man, Orson Welles, what a guy. Is, uh, he, was, was he a fa- I guess he started off as a face, became a heel, I would say, in his lifetime, maybe. Just from being uh, a big old, big old dude. I mean, look, he started grump. out on top, man. Citizen Kane. Honestly. Just went down from there. Yeah, do you really want to be successful in life, guys, or do you want to be successful later in life so that you don't peak so early, like Mr. Orson? He's fine. He's fine. Long live Orson Welles. I mean, you know, it'd be such a shame if he died before this podcast came out. I'd feel really bad about that if we cursed him to death. Got good news for you. Good news. For, good news. I got good news, Matt. Uh, Orson Welles is going to be lived to be two hundred years old. Good news. Orson Welles is no longer with us. Oh, oh man, that sucks. Damn. Uh, Rocky Billy, back to this match. Rocky Billy does pretty well the whole match. Uh, he gets an Irish whip reversed. He knocks into Honky on the apron, which lets Flash Funk hit a hurricane run on him for the one, the two, and the three. And then after the match, Honky distracts Flash Funk and allows Rocky Billy to hit Flash Funk with a guitar. That uh, like will a stiff guitar shot, too. It is stiff. The guitar does not seem overly gimmicked, as they say. No. Why does this guitar have so much baby powder in it, Will? It is like the <laughs> dustiest. Th- what do people think is in a guitar? Like, what is this? Well, it's a heirloom, Matt. Um, and also, what a joke that is, by the way. This, this slightly like mispronouncing that, heirloom, and they're like, ah, I like that, ah, that keeps going. The ground. I like that, that keeps going. Also, during this match, they make fun of Vince for not remembering that he's Billy Gunn. They're like, you keep calling him Billy Gunn. He's Rockabilly. Vince is like, ah, 
Uh, I'm going to change those gimmicks. <laughs> this gimmick sucks. Uh, it, the reason why the guitar was full of so much powder is because backstage it sat next to Marlena's bag. Uh, <laughs> you'll know why that's funny later, audience. Uh, oh, man. I thought you were going to make a I – was, I was hoping that was a cocaine joke, but I realize that's not now. Uh, I don't know. It was, it, was, it was Shawn Michaels for five minutes. Cocaine was more of a – I guess it was a rockabilly drug. If they were jazz people, it would be heroin, right? Uh, let's think. Starfield <laughs> with – <laughs> little little surrettes of air when they're in it. Next week they come out with Eric Clapton, you know. <laughs> oh my gosh, Eric Clapton. Uh famed racist. Okay. Spe- um, speaking of a guy who turned feel. <laughs> no kidding. Uh Bulldog and Owen are in the back with Bret Hart. They are wheeling him around in a wheelchair and he is surrounded by security. And then Vince is in the ring and he and he, while he introduces Bret Hart, he's gonna bring him down. We see footage of Bret Hart's surgery, and we're like actually in his knee. It's like a, the scope of it, like, yeah, out all the crap out of his knee and just kind of That's like, right. you know, the little, I don't know, knee saw or knee drill thing. Just kind of. Yeah. You, you don't know? see it's not like graphic because it's like black and white. It's black it's and like white. Gross. Yeah. Yeah. It's not like there's no there's like no context for it, but they're just like, we have the footage. We'll use it. You know? Yeah. Why not? Why? Of course. Uh, and so out comes Bret Hart with Bulldog and Owen. He comes to the top of the ramp and Owen and Bulldog stand behind him with their arms full of like bodyguards. And I realized later on, I was like, why Why are they doing stuff in the ramp? It's because obviously Bret Hart can't be in the ring when he's in his wheelchair. He can't be in the ring. I mean, you could wheel him down the ramp, but he can just sit next to it. I mean, he does have crutches, so he can kind of stand up, but it's hard to go. Yeah, you can't go in the ring. And also the stage is like seven episodes in, so it's still kind of a new concept to do interviews and spots from there. Oh, sure. Of course. And uh, so Bret calls an Austin a hyena. He says the American people are just like him. And Brett's a hero, he says. He tells the truth. And in this case, when he told the truth, he got only grief. And there's a funny moment here where there's a USA, USA chant that starts. And Brett says, yeah, you know, go ahead, you know. He says, my mother's American. Yeah, I keep wanting to mention that, too, uh, while we do this whole Canada versus USA thing. Like, yeah, Brett's mom is from uh, New York. And... Uh, I like that he kind of mentions it here. It's like my mom's. I don't know how that fits with the rest of his his roles, uh, or, or, or with everything else that he says. Because I mean, he's just like my mom's American, and I still badmouth America, and I still hate it. He doesn't like the American wrestling fans, you know. I guess that's specifically his issue with it, right? That would be yeah. It's all the it's each and every one of you who've come here tonight to watch this depraved wrestling. It is a good it is a good kind of like shut up moment though, which I liked. Yeah. Uh, and uh, he says that Austin's minutes are numbered. There's also a, a sign in the crowd that says the Heart Foundation needs a transplant. Heart is spelled like the band. H-E-A-R-T. Yeah, there we go. I mean, how else would you... You've never noticed that there's a slight difference in uh, what that is spelled. But anyway. If you've only watched I mean, wrestling did... for the longest time, you would know it's H-A-R-T. But that's okay, dude. Yeah. Uh, as we promote the rest of the show, we see footage from last week's Shotgun Saturday Night, and I didn't realize that at the time, but it's a fairly famous moment that Will alluded to earlier, where the Legion of Doom do the Doomsday Device on Henry Godwin of the Godwins, and he lands sideways on his head and neck, breaking his neck. And I'm sorry I didn't mention that last week. I didn't know it happened on that show. They only talked uh, about it this week. Yeah, I uh, remember this <clears throat> happening, um, and it's just weird. Like, the real things that happen that they're like, no, let's use it. That really right. happened. Let's talk about how they broke his neck. Yeah. Let's talk about Vader and Kuwait going to jail. Like, 
any kind of controversy today of any wrestler gets like obviously we all we first of all the, the news cycle here is like oh wow, that's crazy okay it's over you know yeah. but they would not mention that thing at all like they would not say Sonny Deville has a stalker on television they would not Yikes. say that you no. know what I mean anyway so well, yeah they different went with the stalker because the, the, the other prospective stalkers would be like wait you can do that yeah huh. <laughs> I'm encouraged now I think now I will use my abilities to stalk which is less less than ideal I would say uh, and, uh, yeah, anyway, sorry for not bringing it up. I didn't know about it. Uh, my apologies there. Uh, but yes, we go back to the back and Steve Austin is wandering around with his ax handle threatening people. He's taking over Ahmed Johnson's role as a guy who walks around backstage threatening people with a big piece of wood. Yeah. 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 Big Southern dude. Yeah. I guess these guys are, these guys just walk, walk, watch walking tall a lot. Hey, cause they just want They want to see a guy. Carrying Rocky Johns. Yeah. Rocky Maivia's back there. Like, Hey, what are you doing? What's this? Yeah, oh, this is. Hmm. Reminds me of an old movie. I should this. remake this in seven years. They should change the name though, so I'm not Buford Pusser. Not a good name. It's up there with Dan Choda. <laughs> Dan Choda and Buford Pusser. <laughs> anyway, we're not going to cover the name for that. Will we get a nice? We get a real kooky WWF ad here, Will. And I guess the ad being, I don't know, watch the show that you're already watching, or hey, we're we, a lot of personality here. Isn't this fun? It's, it's well, okay, because there's two of these and they're different and they go on each age, each end of the age spectrum. It's this couple sitting there being like, well, ever since grandma died, grandpa really hasn't been the same. But, uh, mm-hmm. you know, recently he's really come out of his shell. And of course, grandpa is a disgusting, crazy old man and a wife beater wearing a Vader mask. He shouts, it's Vader time. Then he puts a mankind mask on and puts some pantyhose around his fingers and i guess tries to manable claw his toddler uh granddaughter he's a, he's he's threatening his is either his There's daughter a baby or his, it's well it's i think yeah whatever the this couple has a kid and grandpa is so crazy with this manable claw he's like and i replayed this so many times i tried to get what the dad is saying he's like no grandpa not something i, right. I could <laughs> not pick it up listening to it five times in a row so i gave up on it but uh yeah, and at the end it says WWF reality check. Oh boy, this is like Pete. This is up there with George and Adam. Like just the stupidest, stupidest <laughs> ads. And like not saying anything. It's like the World Wrestling Federation. It's kind of crazy, you know. It's like, like we, people yeah. like people like being our characters. It okay. it's yeah. I would say that's about all you can really say about it. Yeah, and there's more. There's more more to come. More to more to come. More to come. Yeah, which is actually uh, it is exciting, and they're stupid as hell. <laughs> Will, do you want to know something else that's really stupid and probably a, a misstep? Trying to get Doug Furness and Phil Fawn over on the microphone. Uh, this between this spot and Vader later on, this seems like a show where they're giving guys a shot on the microphone and they just shouldn't because it's not their strength and they can't do it. And I, I don't know fault. if it's a Ru- it's a Russo thing that everybody's got to talk. You know, like there's a lot of talking, like we're seeing more and more talking on the show in general, obviously. And they're just giving it to guys who, so like this week they gave it to Furnace and LaFon who are like, yeah, we really haven't heard from them before. And like, they aren't bad, but they're not good. They're better than I thought. They're a little bit better than I thought, but they are a little flubby. Furnace is a little flubby and he just ends up repeating himself. Uh, they give it to Vader, yeah. and then they give it to Shamrock as well. And like this week was the one I was like, "Oh yeah, Shamrock just doesn't 
doesn't really sound like how he looks, I guess. Oh, for yeah. sure. He's just he's like he's like this tough he's like the toughest Kreisling guy in the world. He's like, you know what? I don't like yeah. that as an idea. I'm not a fan. It's kinda like if you took Rick Moranis and just <laughs> he took Rick Moranis and added like ten percent more masculinity <laughs> voice. He's like, uh, are you <laughs> And then plus these guys have to go, you know, on the same show as Bret Hart, who's really heating up on the mic, and Steve Austin, and like Brian Pillman, who are is pretty much unassailable. He's like just right. perfect. So it's it's hard to hear these guys after he, you know hearing these uh these 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 uh maestros on the mic, man. That's it. So yeah, we got we got Legion of Doom. They're going up against Doug Furness and Philip Buffon. And Legion of Doom come out first. They are ready to cripple someone else. I would imagine. I don't know if they're maybe feeling a little bit weak or what they're what they're or if they're they're a bit gun shy. Maybe I don't know. Shotgun I would be gun shy. Shotgun I, shy. Shotgun shy. Ooh, I like that. Uh, yeah, the crowd uh, is very not affected by them crippling poor Henry Godwin. They're like, yay. They're probably just like, oh, that's. We never like the Godwins anyway. We're gonna let that one uh, let that one ride. They also probably, I, first of all, probably didn't watch Shotgun Saturday Night. Second of all, probably if they did, they're like, "Oh, he's got a broken neck. He'll be back in a couple weeks." This is before <laughs> all these neck problems. He really kind of came around, and poor Henry is probably out of action for like oh, it has to be over a year, right? Well, I guess it's when they came back in Southern Justice. Okay, I'll stop talking. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I don't. It's it's hard for me to give you know any dams at all about uh, the Godwins in any any sense. But uh, it's a good question. I'm not totally sure about that. Uh, but yeah, Furnace Lafon. First, okay, they're kind of trying here. They have really painful generic music, uh, but they do have matching ring gear, and they have these little hoodie things. And then we get their split screen promo. Matching and- ring gear and hoodies—that's a pretty cool outfit. Somebody else who's like a really like athletic tag team should do that years later. Red, white, and right. blue as well. You know, right? Uh, and that was the f- thought I had as well. And. Uh, the, the, essentially, Furnace LaFon are whining about the fans not liking them and how they are, in fact, big superstars. It's like, okay, that's great. Um, Will, my favorite part with the Godwin's injury, injury, Henry Godwin's injury, is that Vince McMahon says, and I quote, <clears throat> he says, if I know Henry, he'll be back in action before you know it. And Jerry Lawler responds, from a broken neck? <laughs> great. Wonderful. No notes. No notes Jerry, Jerry also takes a dig at Henry. I think he says something like he's too stupid to know he's injured. <laughs> This is so mean. Oh man, I love that. I don't know. That uh, just that tickles me so. I'm so tickled <laughs> with that. It's so good. Uh, so Lafon kicks Hawk and distracts him, allowing Furnace to toss him with a belly to belly suplex. And I just always love a belly to belly because it's just a man throwing another man and hurting him. It would just be perfect. It's pretty sweet. It's a pretty good one later on too. That's it. Uh, the Legion of Doom go for a Doomsday device on Lafon, but Furnace drop kicks Animal, so that stack of humanity is knocked over. But then. Hawk still comes down with a clothesline from the top on Furnace, and that's that's enough to get him for the one, two, three. So Legion of Doom, we're going to Doomsday Device the illegal guy because mm-hmm. the guy who comes in and gets pinned is the legal guy. I had to go back and watch the, the tags getting made. Right. Uh, yeah. Okay, cool. <laughs> sure. Uh why did why do they uh why do they elevate the guy if just a clothesline from Hawk is gonna be good enough for the for the the, the pin? We don't have to do that anymore, guys. After this, they went backstage, they were like, hey man, did you do that for them? Yeah. Just do that. It's easier. You don't need me. And then Hawkett's ideas is like, oh, maybe I don't need There's you. There's also a very, very stupid spot in this match where Jr. calls it a double clothesline, where basically Animal comes oh, yeah. in, gives Phil LaFont a, a double clothesline, but also Hawk is right behind him, so he just like kind of clotheslines the back. It's just kind of like a big group hug. And JR's like, bombs oh. It's like you want to have any amount of kind of like running room to, for you to actually do any clothesline sort of thing, but he was just kind of there. It's like, uh. eh. <laughs> He's really, from, uh, uh, there we go. That's all I can do. That's how it's I can like give it a splash to your kid or, or something. You're just kind of like, oh, 
Here we go, oh, that's buddy. It. You know? Have I mentioned that my kids request to be powerbombed? Dude. They request to be powerbombed. They get very gently powerbombed by their father who loves them. Look, if I... Uh, <laughs> I've also F5'd my, my son before. Oh, no. Oh, yeah, it's great. <laughs> and you went up for a shooting star press and you broke your neck. Uh, that's, the, that's the fear, obviously. Uh, so JR comes to the ring after the match to interview Furnace and LaFon. It feels like JR is trying to bait them into saying that they're blaming, blaming the fans, but they just repeat their talking points from earlier. I said JR asked some very leading questions. And they don't take <laughs> them up on it. Also, they're really not that like beat up from the match with the Legion of Doom. They're just kind of standing there like, ah, that was an athletic contest. Like, guys, you lost. They're certainly out of breath, <laughs> but that is like, about it. Yeah. Every time they talked to wrestlers after the match, I was like, yeah, that's <sighs> It does feel like something that I don't want them to do anymore. <laughs> Why do they do that to themselves? It is a, it is a funny sort of thing. Uh, they do uh, twice? Do they do that twice? Yes, they do it twice. So nice they do it twice as they talk to uh, Mr. Leon White. Oh, yeah. After after dispatching Dan Choda. Well, actually, no, well, he's doing double duty tonight, actually. He is doing double duty. Double, double duty, J starting du- with Choda. Double J duty. That's it. Um, some people described uh, Road Dog as a bit of a chose. Oh, yeah, and there's another guy getting injured, too. We were just about to talk about it. Uh, we're I, talking forgot going about, the... I forgot about this. Yeah. The Shotgun oh, Saturday okay. Night? Okay, sorry. No, I got ahead. There's a couple of things you got to get to. Let's go to the shotgun thing first, which takes like 30 seconds and is useless. It does yes, nothing. there's nothing to it. Oh, my uh, God. So funny. We go to Shotgun Saturday night. I guess they're trying to be like, hey, watch Shotgun. And there's these to go undercover with Sonny. I think it's an interview segment, right? I think that's what I'm taking. Oh, I think it it's as. like it's like uh what's what was it, Bliss's thing? Uh damn, they did one at SmackDown here. Um uh, uh crap. Never mind. But yeah, it's like it's like, like just like they're on the stage, a talk show segment. Yeah. It's like the barber yeah, shop show. or the snake pit or the funeral parlor or Piper's Pit or uh That's right. Kevin Owens show or the Ambrose Asylum or you know, Highlight Reel or <laughs> Highlight Reel was the one I was thinking of. Uh, yeah. So Sunny is there. Uh she is a moment in of bed. bliss. That's what it's called. Moment, moment of bliss. Of bliss. Right, That's all, yeah, obviously. Uh not blissful thinking. Um so the headbangers appear while Sunny is there. They get in the bed with her, and uh, I was like, <laughs> "I'm watching it, being like, man, you gotta watch Shotgun because people are breaking their necks and people are jumping in bed with women." Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, it's, that's the move there. Look, they get out of the nightclubs. That means it's no less steamy. It's not Sunday night, but they are bringing the heat. Okay, so here's okay. Well, I'm gonna see if I can do this right. So we go to the back with Ahmed Johnson, and let me see if I get this all right here. He apologizes for his actions last week when he got disqualified. Well, he's he crazy. They- they said yeah. he injured the Sultan. Uh, oh, okay. I guess when he, like, they show a clip of him. I think when he threw a kick at him, he probably, like, actually hurt him. And this is another one where it's, like, a guy legitimately gets hurt, and they're, like, let's see it, you know, in slow motion. Oh, that was tough to watch. Let's see it again in super slow motion. So th- yeah, he's, <laughs> he's talking. So they ask about legitimately injuring the Sultan. Um, big quiche himself. Yes, and, and then and then I'll give it back to you, Matt. Yeah, what does Ahmed do and say? <laughs> he's, 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 he yells. He asks why he would apologize after apologizing, and then he ends by saying he's a gang member. I was like, okay. He yells a whole lot in a very echoey locker room in the Ahmed Johnson not so easy to understand way. There's somebody sent a clip. Um, I don't know one of the stupid wrestling accounts that I follow, but it was about Ahmed Johnson, and they showed a, like clips of him from like the Raw is War video game when it's yes. like him like the pick uh, me thing 
not even the pick me thing. It's like I guess if you play like story mode and you beat Ahmed Johnson, and he's like, listen, you beat me, but I'm the toughest guy in the WWF. You beat me, blah blah blah. You know what I mean? And it's like different clips of like the Ahmed Johnson story, I guess. But for some reason, so obviously they record this. He's just in his gear on a green screen. This isn't even in a sound studio because it's the echoiest place you could possibly imagine. <laughs> and Ahmed, in some parts of it, is just screaming. And you cannot understand a thing because of the echo, because of the audio, because of whatever dialogue they gave poor Ahmed Johnson. Oh, man. Uh, so that's what this reminded me of because Ahmed screams about being in a gang or he is a gang or something like that. He's one-man gang. Hey, Hakeem the African Dream. Um <laughs> We go from Ahmed yelling. We see Bret Hart with Owen and Bulldog, and they are talking. And then we cut to Brian Pillman, who is still praying, but this time he's got two slammies with him. (laughs) And this is a very solid example of how we've jumped into a kind of Attitude Era style of show because we have very quick segments that are cut very quickly and are constantly jumping. And this is not how they used to do it before. They would have very defined things. But now this is one of the reasons why if you watch Raw from a certain era, especially on the WWE Network or on Peacock, and you go through the segments – like, even if a two-hour show will have dozens and dozens of segments because they're just so short. And it's just like, uh, oh, Brian Pillman, praise again in the back. It's a very short one we'll talk about almost at the end of this show. Uh, yeah. yeah, there's a lot. And there's also – but also, Matt, you see, like, a through line throughout the thing. Like, it's like a two-hour Raw. And they used to basically just, like, come out in the fr- – like, open with a promo every single week and be like tonight in the main event you're going to see so and so and so and so then they kind of like screw up the main event or blah 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 there's always a, like a two, you know through a two hour episode of television there's always like a through line and now we're getting like more through line stuff now that's right with the Hart Foundation that's it and uh, yeah we're going to Owen Hart with Brett and the British Bulldog going up against Rocky Maivia for the Intercontinental Championship that's um, crazy to me that Rock's been around so long that he wrestled Owen Hart. Now it's not that crazy because Rock's also been retired for years and years and years and years. But right. st- still, it is crazy to be like, you know, Rock was around like so long ago that he wrestled Owen Hart. I guess Hunter Hearst Holmes he did too. Uh, yeah, wrestled in the nineties, man. He's a nineties nineties guy. It's kind of wild. It's true. Yep, very true. Uh, Bulldog and Brett stay on the ramp, and Bulldog poses with Owen Slammy like he's on the Home Shotway Network, which I appreciated that. It was cute. Uh, Bulldog looks enormous. Bulldog is so funny during this match. Whenever they come back to Bulldog, he's doing the stupidest things like shadow boxing and kicking. He's like, yeah, get him. Uh, I love him. Uh, he's one of these guys that I'm really growing to love even more and more. He's showing more personality, and it's quite funny. It's great. Uh, Owen gets on the mic before the match, and he dedicates the same match to his brother, Brett. And, Will, I notice this. Brett throws up an I love you in sign language. In response to Brett the would always Brett would always do that too. That's what you go to like the cor- the the corners and do that. Um, yeah, it shows up again later that we're going to talk about Will and in a moment that is uh, a little bit later on in our bonus match that was a bit more meaningful. I would say, of course, so, yeah, definitely. Came to mind. Uh, Brett, yes, Brett will send that hand signal to Owen in two different situations on the show we're talking about here. Uh, yeah, Rocky gets attacked uh, as he gets in the ring for his match. He's a bad because Owen is a bad guy. And Bulldog w- runs halfway down the ramp to get involved, but he thinks better of it. I think Brett even calls him back. Yeah. <laughs> he runs uh, back to get by back by Brett's side. Brett's just sitting there defenseless, of course. He's only got one guy. Nothing to be done. Uh, Owen hits a baseball slide on Rocky when he's outside the ring, and then when they're back in, Owen drops on him from the top rope with a very nice missile dropkick for a count of two. At some point then, during this match, they show uh, Brett and Bart Simpson. 
yeah. on the cover of WWF magazine, uh, and it's Brett there, and it's Bart, and Bart's dressed like Brett, and it says the Bart Foundation, and buddy, if you could think of a 90s-er magazine cover, I'd like to see it, because also, would I like a copy of that to hang in my house? Oh my god, yes. Oh, hell yeah. yeah. Give me a hell yeah. Um... But yeah, I just like the they mentioned that they mentioned uh, Rocky in there. I think they, they an article about Rocky Maivia in that. That sounds uh, right in that uh, publication. Yeah, that's right. Uh, yeah, so uh, yes. Well, Owen starts to work over Rocky's leg, and Rocky gets a small package for two though, and then Rocky gets some momentum with his patented spinning DDT, and then he gets a rock bottom before it is called that for another count of two. But then Owen kicks the momentum away. That's what JR says. And he gets a spinning heel kick on Rocky. And then Owen foolishly goes to the top rope. And he points to his boys on the ramp. And they look unimpressed with him. <laughs> yeah. They're like, this isn't a good idea. Don't do this. And so Rocky follows him up. And he hits him with a second rope back suplex. Uh, look at Rocky going all the way to the second rope instead of the bottom. Good for him. And, really ascending uh, to the heavens. That's it. And so Rocky goes for a suplex. Owen floats over. He gets a bridging roll-up for the one, the two, and the three, and he gets the win and the Intercontinental Championship. And Owen Hart wins clean as a sheet. Yeah, I kind of dispatched Rocky, um, you know, super easy, barely barely an inconvenience. Like, it really wasn't yep. – uh, it was never in doubt. <laughs> never in doubt. And Owen walks up the ramp. He presents the Intercontinental title to Brett. <laughs> yeah. Lifts it over his head like he won it, and Owen sp- – oh, sorry, and Bulldog spins the wheelchair that Brett is in in circles. <laughs> Uh, that's great. So this is a time where there are four t- championship belts in this company. The world title, the intercontinental title, the European title, and the tag titles. And Owen and Bulldog have three of the four. Yep. So they are putting some 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 juice behind these guys. It's like an undisputed era level of uh, dominance here. That's it. Let me try to do the hands thing I can never really do. Okay, yeah, it's not going to work. I'll try to <laughs> what it is. What is it? It's like this or something? The undisputed era? The U, the U and the E? Is this right? Boom. I feel like I'm backwards on the on the screen though. So it's just, I think it's right. This is a it's visual medium. Era undisputed. Era undisputed. well, the era was undisputed for at least for a while. And then someone just got in there and disputed it and it's a whole thing. Uh, we cut to the back wheel. In the back, oh, Steve Austin has his axe handle, but now he's got a wheelchair and he's sitting in it like he's hurt. Which is a bit mean-spirited, I would say. Oh, yeah, because he was looking for the first aid room earlier. When was he looking for that? He was walking around the halls. like He's like, where's the first aid room? Oh, that was before the grandpa ad. Okay, there we are. And, yes, now he's wheeling with a wheelchair. Um, so, yeah, we see – we actually – we have another uh, – we have the credits again. Or not the credits. The intro video again. And then we go into Austin with the wheelchair. The credits. Well, it's a, you know, the- Roz War starring. <laughs> it's kind of that. <laughs> Steve Austin comes in. Uh, yeah, so we have Austin here. He comes to the crowd in the wheelchair. I don't know why he's coming through the crowd. Um, JR mentions that Austin has a WWF championship match at the pay-per-view in two weeks, which has largely gone unmentioned, this whole thing. Like, he has a title shot, and it barely has come up since the beginning of the show. We're more than an hour into it, and we've barely mentioned that's a very specific uh, thing. <laughs> like, okay. Yeah. Sure, it's fine. Um, Austin, <laughs> sorry, Vince was in the ring to interview Austin, but he just leaves, apparently. And so Austin opens the wheelchair, and he sits down, and he gets on the mic. And Austin says something. What does he say? Something like when he looks in the mirror, he sees five other guys. Yeah. Heart Foundation guys. Is he miscounting that? Brett, right? Because it's just Brett, Owen, Owen Bulldog, and Bulldog. Brian Pillman. Pillman. Well, I mean, you know, for now. For now. Yeah, unless, unless, of course, Austin is being uh, 
uh, predictive in these things. Uh, and he says, you know what? I'm also going to win the title at Cold Day in Hell, which is the In Your House pay-per-view coming up in two weeks. And suddenly, Bret Hart is on the Titan drawn, and he says that Austin will be in the ambulance that is in the back by the end of the night. And uh, Austin suggests he's going after Bret, and he leaves. And just, I don't know, this feud is just so back and forth tonight. It's kind of unfocused. I think there's elements to it that work well. There's other elements to it that are just kind of like keep going back and forth in a way that I find unhelpful. Mm, yeah. So I'm like, well, that's not great. Uh, in the back, we have Vader, who's back in the USA. Uh, he was in prison. Uh, he was, uh, we see footage again from the talk show Good Morning Kuwait when Vader accosts the interviewer by grabbing him by the tie when he's asked about the fakeness of pro wrestling. And Vince said that led to an international incident. It's like, man... That was a, that was a pay per view in Vancouver, like a year ago, man. That's not actually an international incident. Figure it out. They like just like the Vader hostage situation is like Vader's in Kuwait. We'll tell you what's going on. Like the last couple weeks. Just well, and, and then last week they're like Vader's in Kuwait, and that is very funny. And we are enjoying ourselves. <laughs> yeah, we are laughing. And it's just a clip of them fully breaking kayfabe, where Undertaker's sitting there fully out of character. Uh, just sitting there with his belt, and Vader's saying after a kick, he'll kick before I kick his ass tonight, I'll kick your ass right here. That's and it. That poor little interviewer. I bet when he got up, there was wet stain on the chair because that would be very frightening. It would not be a good time. Uh, we get a Ken Shamrock video package. He says the WWF will be his biggest challenge yet. He's a tough guy, Will, but he's got some wife and kids. Some wife. He's got a and wife a and some kids, I would say, and a dog. Uh, that wife only sticks around until 2004, which is a little bit too bad, but. Okay. That's how it goes. Well, I don't know. I'm looking into this thing. I was like, oh, it's a wife. I wonder if they stuck it out with her. And the answer is, didn't work. That's okay. Yes. That stuff happens. It's okay. Ken, Ken's fine. He's good. He's still looking good. Still in better shape. Um, Jesse James versus Vader is our next match here. Well, we've talked before about Jesse James' voice is impressive. I still think he's, uh, he still sounds a little bit too out of breath every time he does a song. He was better this week, but yeah. Sitting on the, I can't wait to be on my baby night. Right, like he's, just a lot of that. He needs to he's some breath work for sure. He does. Uh, yeah, uh, Jr. Jr. is coming in hot here because he says that Vader is stupid and that he embarrassed the WWF in Kuwait <laughs> for his actions. <laughs> well, Jr. <laughs> well, Vader then uh, he hits a splash on the second rope from J- by on James. But what he, he lifts James up at two, which I think Jader, JR also says is dumb, and then Vader hits a Vader bomb for three as JR calls him stupid. <laughs> and at this point, I'm like, look, whatever hap- whatever Vader ends up doing to JR, I love it. And then JR <laughs> hops in the ring to make that happen. Yeah. And so JR asks Vader if he has any remorse or shame. Vader apologizes for nothing. And then JR asks if Vader thinks he overreacted, and I, I just. I love the idea of Vader saying, look, I apologize for nothing, but I did overreact. Yes, I did. I'm sorry. <laughs> that was too much. Um, JR claims he's just doing his job by asking this question. Uh, I don't think he's doing his job. I think he's being a, being a doofus. He's being way put his thumb on the scale here. This isn't journalism. This is a, a what am I going to say? Just an attack. He's just going for something here. They're just trying to reenact what happened in Kuwait in the wrestling ring is what they're trying to do. Well, I want to see more. I want to see a proper attack on the guy who's asking it then. You know? So I might find a little frustrating with that. Um, so, yeah, Vader pushes JR into the corner. He threatens to finish the job he started in Kuwait. He even takes off JR's glasses. So, presumably, so he can knock his block off, which I like that as like a bully move of like, look, I'm not going to smack the glass at your eyes. But Did I you hear, you do you hear what JR says as he's begging off? What does he say? He says, Leon, that's enough. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This is, the, what is it? It was a shoot. It's a shoot, brother. It's a shoot, brother. It's a work shoot. It's a shoot. Don't call him Leon. Oh, man. Uh, yeah, so down runs Ken Shamrock. And Ken Shamrock hits a belly to belly slam on Vader, sending him running. Like, he says, not even yeah. one that, like, Vader really, like, took a leap for. I think he, like, right. mistimed it. So Ken just, just kind of, like, and just throws this 450 pound individual over his yeah. head. It's right. He's got to, he ends up having to kind of do it himself. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. Ken Shermock says that at the pay per view, it won't be Vader time. It'll be hard time. The crowd kind of digs that, even though neither one of these guys is that gifted at speaking, I would say. Even though boss, even though he steals boss man's catchphrase. That's right. Uh, I didn't think about that. That's They're both true. from Georgia, you know. Oh, there we go. There's there's a whole there's a whole lot there to, to get into. I, uh, I I will say there's there's a lot of Austin in Shamrock because we've got a good guy. He's not a clean cut superhero. He's just a guy who kicks ass, and the fans are down for it. They want it. Yeah, man, he's legitimate. They end up plugging the UFC pay per view later on in this show. <laughs> like, yeah, there's a UFC pay per view at the end of May. <laughs> like, what is going on? Sure, why not? Uh, the, the young upstarts there. Yeah. Uh, Backstage, very quick segment where Goldust and Marlena argue about something, but it's not clear what. It's not even really audible. Well, he says it's uh, he, that she can't come out to the ring, and he says, I, I, "Well, I'll be honest with you, I couldn't hear that." He he says, well, I, "I don't want you coming out there. What I want, what I'm going to do tonight." He says, "The ring is no place for a lady." Oh, okay, <laughs> interesting. Okay, so yeah, we've got Triple H who's coming down with China and Goldust. They have a match together, and he's without Marlena. This is Hunter Harris Helmsley versus Goldust. Take four hundred and seven. Yeah, please. I was I was really I've been wanting this more than ever. I just need I need this match to happen more and more. Oh my gosh, it's killing me here. Um yeah, you can see fans in the crowd though, they are looking at China and there's that kind of the circus attraction thing. People are looking at her and being like, Wow, like they are just really impressed seeing her just being there. Look, there's eight wonders of the world. China, I'd probably put her at number nine. Will, I that's a that's a very bold choice, but I think I have to agree with you. Hot take? It's my take. Hot take. It's true. Um, yeah, I mean, so, yeah, Goldust is kind of like, is fighting right away. Uh, he's brawling right away. He's got some heat happening there. Uh, we do see that uh, China beats on Goldust when the referee has his back turned, and then Marlena runs down anyway, but the ref comes out to stop her. And this one, Vince says that Marlena has no right to be there. <laughs> No, I thought this was kind of stupid at first, but then I I, I will say, Goldust is a wrestler, and as a wrestler, he said, you you cannot come down to the ring, and I mean, that's well within his rights to do that, right? If you're barred by your own manager. I, th- I mean, right? What else would you do? What else? It only, it only makes sense. Uh, so it's like, yeah, okay, I think that's fair. Um, now, <laughs> then Vince mentions, of course, of all people, Ellen. It's an Ellen DeGeneres. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Speaking of, turning, speaking of turning heel, Ellen. <laughs> Ellen, Ellen, yeah, Ellen turned heel, that's true. Um, yeah, Ellen turned heel in parts of, uh, <laughs> many parts of the United States, but the Deep South when uh, later that week, she came out as, uh, her character came out as gay on our TV show. Yep, and she's gay. They say, Goldust, they say Goldust is going to come out of the closet too next week, but then they very speci- specifically say he's going to be speaking his mind, which is a bit of a cop-out. Totally. Like, Goldust is going to come out of the closet. Uh, anyway, cool. I got kicked yeah. out of that. Them saying yeah. that specifically. Uh, so Marlena, uh, she was near that guitar, I guess, because she throws some powder to China's eyes outside the ring. And when Triple H goes to check on China, China grabs Triple H and attacks him, which 
the commentators are like, she thinks he's gold dust. She thinks he's gold dust. She thinks he's gold dust. To make it really clear what's happening. They, she thinks he's gold dust. You know, I was just thinking, like, where did I see this exact thing happen in wrestling recently? It was, like, weeks ago on this show. It was right. Mankind attacks Vader and puts some animal claw on him. Is that what happens? That Yes, absolutely. <laughs> he that thought he was bad. somebody else. They love that one. I think Kurt Angle once Angle slams somebody, as I recall. It was one of those that comes to mind from time to time. It's like, oh, he's, he's doing a move to a guy. You're like, you would notice a little bit, I feel. I mean, look. Maybe I'm wrong. It's a deep well. We can keep going back to it. That's right. Uh, so, yeah, trying to lift <laughs> like a proper over-the-head chokehold on Triple H. Uh, the referee counts Triple H out, so Goldust wins. He counts him out in like four seconds. Oh, yeah. It's what the classic one, <laughs> two, three, four. Like, I was gonna say one, two, ten. There you go. You're out. Yeah, pretty much. It's pretty much one, two, ten. Very close to that. Uh, so yeah, it is now time. Sorry, Triple H barely has time to leave after losing his match before there's an Undertaker gong. Yeah, they're still walking. They're walking next to the ramp, and then it's Undertaker gong, and old old Mark himself is up on the screen in purple. That's it. We got Mark Calloway, the Undertaker there. We're talking about, we're talking about Leon White. We're talking about that, too. Um, yeah, the Undertaker, he's not overly upset about Paul Bearer getting flamed in the face last week. Paul Bearer got a you know flame to the face. Two weeks uh, ago, right? Was it last uh, week? Yeah, it was, I don't think it was last week. It was probably two weeks ago, I think. Um, Undertaker adds that Austin may have some momentum, but he says if Austin is distracted for their pay-per-view match, it may not go well for him. Yeah. Uh, which, honestly, was kind of helpful advice. Maybe you shouldn't say that. It's like genuinely <laughs> helpful. Maybe Austin should actually like. I was like, oh damn, sounds good. Yeah, I like that. I'm not but focused properly. Where has my mind been? We quickly cut to Brian Pillman, who is loudly praying for Bulldog to take out Undertaker in the back. And then will we get our next, our second kooky WWF reality check ad? This time, well, they're concerned because his parents are concerned, not for their father, but uh, for this their son, his, his former straight A student. Uh, who is now dressing and acting like Steve Austin. So Nicholas, their son, not only yes. a straight-A student, Nicholas very proudly displays his report card, his very, very, very funny report card that I freeze-framed. So Nicholas yes. has eight pluses in all of these six courses. I don't know yeah, what... Well, real quick, real quick. How old do you think this kid is? He looks like he's seven. Right, he's, like, he's seven years old. He's rough, seven. He's like a cute little kid. He's like, look, I got all eights in my report card. Uh, so yeah, well, what what's he what's he doing with his what courses is he taking? I don't, I don't know what school in Connecticut this is. Okay, hit me. I don't know if it's Chilton. I don't know if Rory Gilmore is there. He's got English, differential equations, ancient Egyptian hieroglyphics, quantum physics, Shakespearean soliloquies, and haiku. Uh, I'm impressed. That sounds like we got some. I got smarty pants on our, our hands here. A real smart, and, real smart guy. And this kid, I mean, a show off, really. If you're gonna be honest, he grew up to be Dolph Ziggler. No, this kid huh? is then corrupted by the World Wrestling Federation, Matt. That's right. He puts he corrupted to put on a uh, a bald <laughs> a bald cap and recites promos that Steve Austin did five five months ago. A bald cap and then a like a Steve Austin leather vest. I mean, these parents are kind of asking for it. They serve this kid broccoli and cauliflower just in bowls in front of him for dinner. They probably aren't even cooked. I mean, that dinner stinks, mom and dad. Give me a break. It, it's brutally bad. It's what are we what are we even doing here, guys? You deserve it. You deserve to get stunned. Let's let's face facts here. Give the kid a protein for you know. Yeah. Well, please. He's gonna grow. He's he's like he's crying out for help by taking that insane course load. So yeah, he hates he hates that stupid dinner. He hates cleaning his room. 
Um, yeah, he's not going to take any more of it, son. The kid's pretty funny. He's got the Steve Austin head bob going on. So, you know, I, I think this one's better than the grandpa ad. I agree. Uh, we go to the back. Real Steve Austin is pacing somewhere, and Vince makes it sound very ominous. Like, oh, what's this? He's, like, concerned, man. He's like, I don't know. He's like, oof. To an extent that it is comical to me. We could have a uh, national incident. That's it. Uh, we're here for our main event. Well, it's Bulldog, British Bulldog, with his buddies Owen Hart and Bret Hart. And he's going up against The Undertaker in a non-title match. Uh, although, before the match, Bulldog cuts a promo. He dedicates the match to Bret, he who introduced him to his beautiful wife, Diana. It's so funny, man. I love it. <laughs> he also says he's going to win the WWF title, which is impressive because it's not on the line here. I mean, eventually, you know. I just like that it's just like, I'm going to do it. It's like, you know, I'm not even going to let the... Uh, the fact that it's not up for grabs. <laughs> it's a minor technicality. <laughs> exactly. I'm going to come down with this thing. It's happening. Uh, so, yeah. Owen, so, Owen and Brett, again, they're at the top of the ramp because Brett's in a wheelchair. Yeah. Uh, uh, although there are crutches there. Uh, we get this very funny visual because the Undertaker comes out. And so we get Undertaker comes out. He's got this dramatic lighting. He comes out to the top of the ramp. And Brett and Owen are just standing off to the side a little threateningly. <laughs> just, like, looking at him. Yeah, just looking at him. Right there. Oh, there's, there's the Undertaker. Here we are standing next to him. Uh, and so uh, Taker quickly lifts Bulldog over his head in a chokehold like he's China or something. There's actually – sorry, I forgot. There's actually a, a really cool shot of Owen standing in, like, the fog. Yes. Uh, just his silhouette. But I think Owen has a very funny facial when the, the music hits. I think he's like, oh. <laughs> the best. Anyway, sorry to the match. This is also where Owen – so, yeah, when, when Bulldog's getting choked, uh, Owen runs halfway down the ramp, and that's when Brett – Brett waves him back then for sure. Yeah. Like, no, no, no. No, come here. Come here. Come here. It's it's good. Good. Yeah, it's good. It's a good repetition. Uh, by the way, this match lasts about four minutes. Maybe not Nothing. even that. Nothing. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. We do take a break during the match. We get a decent Taker versus Austin promo video for their main event match at Cold Day in Hell, which actually is kind of cool sounding. You have to appreciate Todd Pettengill's range, you know? Todd Pentengill could be like, it's WWF in your house. And then he could be like, still cool, Steve Austin. Like he puts on a cool voice to sell the tough Austin Undertaker match. That's it. And so we take, we come back from the break. And the one half of that main event, the Undertaker, he hits a choke slam on Bulldog. And that draws Owen into the ring to attack Taker for a quick disqualification. Yep. That is it there. Uh, so Owen and Bulldog double team Taker. And I look, I'm like, ooh, Bret Hart. He's left alone in a wheelchair at the top of the ramp. Uh-oh. And here comes Steve Austin, but he's coming through the crowd. He's coming to save Taker, or rather, to attack the Hart Foundation in the ring. And so he sends Owen away, and then Taker throws Bulldog into the crowd. And then uh, while Stone Cold is outside the ring, he goes to the timekeeper's table. He grabs Undertaker's belt. He hops in the ring, and he raises it <laughs> over his head in the corner. Just because he's still kind of like a heel, I guess. Is the idea. Yeah, sure. Uh, so he jumps down, he turns around, and he sees Taker, and he throws the belt down in front of Undertaker, who simply hits a stunner on him. Uh, sorry, and then he simply hits a stunner on Taker, to be clear. And so yes. Austin stands over Undertaker, he's giving him business, he's giving him middle fingers, and <laughs> it's the thing you do, I would, here's the thing, if I was going up against Undertaker, I would not just lean over his prone body. No, you he's don't gonna, think so? He's going to reach up and grab you by the neck. And he does that. He grabs Austin's throat. He stands up and he hits Steve Austin with Steve a choke slam. Bulges his eyes, sticks out his tongue. It's very funny. Ah, oh, it's great. Uh, and so uh, Austin rolls out of the ring after taking the choke slam. And he spots Bret Hart at the top of the ramp with no one around him. And Austin looks to the ring and he yells at the Undertaker that he's going to deal with Taker later. Then he heads up the ramp to take on Bret. So Bret stands up. He's got these crutches with him. And as Austin comes toward him. 
hear me? I'm thinking like, oh, I wonder if Brian Pillman's gonna come back. Nope. It's Jim the Anvil Neidhart will. Yeah. Jim the Anvil Neidhart attacks Austin from behind, and then Brett manages to hit Austin with a crutch, knocking him off the stage. <laughs> now, here's the thing. The important thing is he hits Austin, who kind of like hops off the stage. Yeah. We treat it like like you would in later years when you where you would like have him fall onto like some equipment that breaks and some things that blow up. Um, Look, Kane would take little Zack Ryder in a wheelchair and wheel him right off the stage. Right. Uh, so, yes. Uh, so we see Brett and Anvil. They hobble to the back. And I think we see Brett ask him, uh, ask who's laughing now, Steve Austin. <laughs> and so Austin is loaded onto a stretcher as officials gather around him, just like Brett said. And then we go to the back. We go to the back. We look at Brian Pillman who, as we've seen multiple times tonight, is quietly praying. <laughs> and then suddenly he pops up with this maniacal smile, and we watch him look madly at us as we go off the air. So he has his bright, bulging eyes. It's a and, classic Brian Pillman face. Well, and, and, you, and you realize as you're watching this. Like this my, my takeaway is essentially like, Pillman was right about everything, but it was right because he like plotted it. Like It was like, oh, yeah, we, we knew what was happening. Like Brett being left alone was kind of like bait for Austin. He took it. And uh, the only thing I thought about was, like, I think this might have been maybe a smidge better. I don't know if they get it to work. If we pull back and we see around Brian Pillman is Owen, Bulldog, Brett, and Anvil. And a guy dressed as Jesus being like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm also with these guys. <laughs> um, well, Where do you find an indie wrestler with long hair and a beard, I guess? Is it's way. impossible. It's impossible. Uh, conspicuous by his absence on the show, Will, Shawn Michaels. What's what's going on here? Last last week he shows up, he's around, he's arguing with Austin, and now he's is he even mentioned? He's not mentioned. Like, I don't what the hell is think. that? Yeah, I I mean That's I have weird. no answers. I have no answers. I have Will, no words. Friggin' answer, man. Come on. Come on. Get off your duff and answer me something. Uh, yeah, no Shawn Michaels. Not saying I miss him necessarily. Uh, I mean he's a good foil for people, but at the same time, he's still annoying. But Will, I'd love to get your final thoughts on this show. And on this podcast, Will, we have a three tier rating system. Where if a show is good, we say it's um, the best there is, the best there was, the best there will be. Often shortened to TBT, ITBT, WTBT, WB. Uh, if it was an eh show, it's in the Nightheart zone. Hey-o, Nightheart. Uh, or if you say it was a bad show, we'd say it's in the dungeon. So, Will, your thoughts on the show and your rating, if you please. You know, in honor of the man appearing on television for the first time in uh, ages, fresh off his uh, $300,000 lawsuit with Delta, uh, I'll give this a Nightheart Zone. It's uh, not a bad show, not a great show. Entertaining, yeah. You know, uh, the matches aren't anything to write home about. Um, and uh, yeah, I think our main event's a little muddy with Steve and the Hard Foundation and Undertaker. Uh, and I don't know if we have any other Cold Day in Hell matches set up. So. Um, Lots going on, but like not a clear, clear direction right now. Yeah. So you say nine heart zone. I give it a nine heart zone. Yeah. I'm right there with you, uh, appropriately, of course. Uh, yeah. I just feel like the arrangement of the show is a little bit sloppy. Some of the Brett Austin stuff felt a little bit repetitive. Um, but there are some fun moments, and there is a quick pace of the Attitude Era stuff that's perking up the show. Uh, it'll be interesting going forward to see how this goes. Uh, so yeah. That's it, folks. Yeah. On the show that Nightheart debuts, we both give it a nine heart zone. How appropriate. How apt. For you, Jim. How utterly apt. Love to have it. And so, well, we're going to change gears, but not too much. We're going to change them very slightly because we got a bonus match to talk about. Bret Hart, not wrestling, of course. He's in a wheelchair, so we cover Bret Hart match from another time, of course. And we're talking about the Owen Hart tribute match. Bret Hart versus Chris Benoit from the October 4th, 1999 episode 
of WCW Monday Nitro. Now, famously, tragically, Owen Hart died in an accident at the May 1999 Over the Edge pay-per-view in Kemper Arena in Kansas City. And this episode of Nitro was in the same building. And so Brett had a tribute match with Chris Benoit, who's got Hart Family Dungeon Connections. And yeah, picking this match because it's a famous match. Uh, and I wanted to pair it with an Owen-centered episode. This is where Owen gets the Intercontinental title. Um, it is a bummer that Chris Benoit is in this. But yeah, uh, them's the breaks, man. I don't know what to tell you. That's just how it went. We've, ta- we've gone over the, the Benoit thing a lot in our previous podcast project. Uh, and of course, he's going to be here as well and uh it's it's pretty hard watching this match too like the commentators really put benoit over and yeah look at the time great uh but in hindsight i mean through no fault of their own it's like ugh. yeah i was i'm watching this and i'm like you know what i've kind of i was gonna say i've made peace with benoit being here i've kind of made the opposite of peace i've kind of just come to come come to grips war. that there isn't peace with it right I've come, yeah. yeah i've come to war with it sure uh yeah. that's that's the case here so let's talk about this match man we've got Tony Schiavone, Mike Tanay, and Bobby Heenan on the call. And, and they, like, welcome Mike Tanay back from something? Like, I guess he's... Tanay, Tanay is, like, he comes and goes. He's, yeah. like, he's he's around and stuff like that. I mean, I, I've i kind of soured on Mike Tanay over, now that I've listened to him more, where I find him... Um, who was I talking about? There's a certain um, there's a certain famous wrestler announcer right now who's on one of the two big companies who I find grading and kind of nerdy and not like I want my announcers to be knowledgeable but not dorky losers who I don't want to hear from. Is it somebody and, in WWE? Um, it could be WWE. It could is be it Kevin? WWE. Is it Kevin E? Do you not want to say? Are they on? Is it me? I, I it, they for a company that I pick on too much. Well, then they're in AEW. Okay. Okay, is it when Chris Jericho wait, 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 wait. does? Is it when Chris Jericho does does Rampage? Is that what you don't like? We yeah, will, of course. Uh, a company that I like to make fun of, of course, I watch Rampage regularly. <laughs> uh, that's the whole thing. I mean, when they first launched it, that seemed like they were like they were like, "What if the show was good?" And then after that, they were like, "We're not, we're not going to bother." What oh, if we took the biggest so swing we possibly ever could and have CM Punk debut at the United Center in Chicago and then do nothing? Nothing. Uh, is it? Uh, well, okay, never mind. Stop guessing. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> I don't know Mike why Tanay- we can't mention the person's name. But, but no, Matt, I want to just—I do want to say about these commentators that I don't—I um, don't think they do a very good job. I think we talk about how Brain, I guess, was drunk a lot of the time at Nitro. I think Brain's <laughs> probably half in the bag here because he's just—none of them seem like on their game. I mean, Shivani's really trying to hype it up, but I think like between Tanay being like uh, just a. Uh, kind of a, a charisma vacuum and brain just not there. Uh, I think Shivani has to do some heavy lifting, which he's not really that well equipped for. I don't know. No, I, and I'm, when I'm watching this too, and like I, I, I like Shivani. I think he's a fun guy. I do, I, I am starting to see, especially in later years of AW, I see him more where he's like, the best he can really do is kind of like the aw shucks, isn't this a good match kind of thing. And it's like I that's not really doing anything for me in a uh, wrestling call situation. I think these guys just don't know how to handle a match this serious. And yeah. so they're they're kind of reduced to platitudes. I, Especially I mean, in the middle of a show that's so stupid and we'll talk about a stupid through line of this yes. episode of Nitro. Because <sighs> this is not this is this is something that I didn't realize. This is not the main event of the show. Not at all. Not, this is not the middle of the show. Um yep. Also, interestingly, uh, we've got a guest ring announcer. We have Harley Race. Yeah, dude, that was. I don't know why. Just, I mean, Harley Race. I always good to see him. Well, he's from Kansas uh, City. 
Of course he is. Of course he is. I never thought about that. That's what why he's there. That's why he says they're all the best fans in the world. He's not just doing a, a Mick Foley cheap right. pop with a thumbs up. No, he's from he's from there. And Where's Chiefs gear and everything like that? Dude, Harley's pretty legitimate. Where's Chiefs gear? Exactly. I love it. Well, he's, and he's very... It's... It's, it's almost weird to hear somebody do a ring introduction announcing job like this, where he seems he's very legitimate, very serious, very, very, it doesn't, wrestling seems real, I don't know, in a weird way, where he's just kind of like, yeah. Um, Especially Harley Race, right? Who, like, yeah. didn't really, you know, yeah. He's honored to be here, and so he, uh, yeah, he introduces first Chris Benoit, who comes out. Uh, Benoit seems to be wearing a, a, a Owen Hart shirt that almost looks like homemade, like it's what you would make on a... Yeah, or like a, a mall, like kiosk or something. Yeah. yeah, which is an interesting choice to do that. Uh, Chris Benoit at the time is also the WCW Television Champion. Always fun to see that style of belt there. Uh, there was there's a period of time where the television belt and I think the light heavyweight belt were all kind of like the same. They looked very similar. Like they had the same kind of like yeah nuggeting to it. I think is what they say. <laughs> that, that's like a thing they call. There's like a uh, sure like, yeah yeah. I know. Sorry to be clear. Um, so yeah, and then Harley Race talks about how great the the Hart family is, how wonderful they are, how they'll always get along, and uh, he brings Bret Hart down to the ring. And uh, yeah, Bret Bret is not very emotional. I think he's just kind of when we see him come down and throw the match, I just get the sense that he's uh, he's appreciative. He's like a grateful guy. Bret is very stoic. I don't think we've ever see Bret get emotional. I don't think even either time he was inducted to the Hall of Fame. He does say in his book when he had his, I mean, fortunately when he had his stroke, he was emotional all the time. Like right. anything would, would set him off and make him cry. But uh, yeah, I think by this point he uh, is, um, yeah, I think he's he's there to, to, to wrestle his match. And like the emotions never get the better of him while he's working. Right. He's yeah. very, yeah, he's, he's, anyway, Brett's a remarkable guy. Um yeah, no, he's he's appreciative. He is he is emoting in other ways. Yes, uh, even Brent and Ben while they hug before the match. Uh, I will say that uh, Bobby Heenan starts off with a joke saying that he thought that Harley Race was Michael Buffer, like pretending he didn't realize who they were. Yeah, um, I will at the time of recording. I don't know if you saw, but Michael Buffer recently tweeted about how he watched the main event of WrestleMania 20 and how much he likes WWE. Michael and or Bruce? Which Michael? Okay, because Michael's uh, the UFC guy now, right? I I just know I don't know. And then Bruce, UFC I think, was the WCW. Bruce is the Let's Get Ready to Rumble guy. No, Michael I think, Buffer was. I think Michael Bru- is. It's time. No, 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 no. Bruce Bruce is the guy who's doing the uh, the Canadian ads for what is that? The oh Lord, gamble. Yeah, Michael Michael is the yeah yeah yeah. Michael Buffer is is the the main guy. The Let's Get Ready to Rumble. Bruce. So, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. So Bruce Michael was Buffer. the one, even though he was WCW announcer. He was say he <laughs> tweeted about how. He likes WWE and how he watched specifically the main event of WrestleMania 20. Well, uh, here's Bruce Buffer on uh, Logan Paul uh, Impulsive Podcast. Oh, I got to get that a listen. Oh, yeah, we got to do that. Uh, anyway, good for Michael Buffer. Uh, but yes, okay, so to this very serious match, uh, we get some technical wrestling to start with Brett avoiding a monkey flip from Brenoir at the end of it. And Benoit hits a chop on Brett to get out of a corner to escape. And so Brett fights back and gets a, a second rope elbow drop in response. And then Benoit gets this very weird kind of Boston Crab on Brett where uh, it's almost as if you stop someone from doing a Hurricane Rana partway through. Instead of having your arms holding your legs underneath, you're holding them in front of you. I don't understand why he's doing that. It's almost like a Walls of Jericho, <laughs> like when Chris would like catch somebody in the Hurricane Rana and then they'd, they'd kind of fall down and get him in the walls. But he doesn't tuck the uh, shins under his underarms. He just kind no. of holds them like a bully shaking somebody down for some lunch money. 
<laughs> right, exactly. And so he's got bread in this very kind of like weird, uh, this awkward high elevation sort of thing. Um, so it's a, it's an unusual choice. Uh, so we take a break uh, with Tony Schiavone promising us that, quote, tape machines are rolling in the event that this match ends during the break. So that's no a Schiavone line. Yeah. We come back to see Brett get a perfect suplex, his perfect version of a suplex at least, for a count of two. And then we see Brett working on Benoit's back outside of the ring. He drives him kind of spear style into the ring apron. In the back of the ring, Benoit gets a counter on Brett, and he hits a, <clears throat> pardon me, a tombstone pile driver. Although it takes a lot out of him, and so he like falls and lands, and so he's just got his arm on Brett's midsection, and that's the best he can do to cover Brett. And it's a so jumping gets- tombstone as well. Right. Yes. Good grief. That is so. That is so crazy. It's crazy right. that you can do a jumping, jumping tombstone and only gets a count of two. Yeah. It's okay. <laughs> Benoit gets a bridging northern light suplex for two. Brett gets a, a very nice tight back suplex for two. Uh, Brett misses a charge on Benoit by the ropes. We get a spot that I'm realizing is a Bret Hart spot that I haven't noticed that much. Because, Will, was it you I had on to cover the uh, primetime wrestling Dynamite Kid match we did a couple weeks ago? Yep. Yeah, so he does the same thing there where you have a guy in the ropes and you rush towards them and you leap. And Brett just, like, hits the ropes and collides with, like, its cables. Like, it hurts him a lot. And no one else does this. No. uh, As far as I can tell. And so Brett does it again here. So he he hits the ropes that I think Benoit is going to be there for. He hits them. He falls outside the ring. And Benoit takes the opportunity to get a perfect suicide dive on Brett outside the ring. And we take another break. We come back to several roll-up exchanges. And then Brett hits, sends Benoit into the corner. He hits him with a reverse atomic drop. And when he bounces back, uh, he hits, gets him up top for a high-impact superplex. Uh, during this point in the match, the commentator brain's like, hey, these guys ever wrestled each other before? And Mike Tanay's like, yeah, I think so. But they also, like, they wrestled in WCW here, like, a couple months ago. Yeah, I'm sure it happened recently enough. Like, I, and, I mean, they're going to wrestle again later on for the uh, in Mayhem. And I think uh, Shivani's like, that's what they call you, the brain. That's it. <laughs> uh, see, so, so Brett goes, tries to go for a sharpshooter, but then I I don't even really know what happens. I guess maybe it's when Brett tries to kind of like reach through Benoit's legs. Because Benoit counters it like kind of perfectly, and he smoothly gets his cross face instead. Yeah. Uh, which kind of blew my mind that he did it like as smoothly as he did. And so Benoit's got the cross face on Brett. He's, he's wrenching it on him. But Brett finally reaches out, and he grabs the bottom rope. <clears throat> and then Benoit does something I've never seen him do before, uh, or since, where uh, he hits a snap suplex, and then he holds on and does two more, like he's Eddie Guerrero or something. Yeah. It was bizarre to see. He does the a, a proto version of the Three Amigos. Uh, Benoit follows up by soaring through the air and hitting a diving headbutt from the top rope for two. Right in front of the Harley race, too. Hmm. Right. Uh, and the Benoit hits, uh, sorry, Brett hits a back elbow, and then he hits a pile driver on Benoit, but Benoit gets his foot on the ropes. I called that back elbow a Judas effect, by the way. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it pretty much was. Oh, I would much. love it if they could somehow go back in time and call it Judas effect. I would get a kick out of that. <laughs> uh, yeah, so Brett, uh, he blocks a, sup- a dragon suplex attempt from Benoit, but that just sets up him to get a couple of rolling German suplexes before Brett blocks a third. And then a crossface attempt is blocked. And Brett grabs a sharpshooter, and he steps, and he rolls over, and he gets it locked in. And a moment or two later, Chris Benoit gives up. And Brett gets his arms raised as the crowd stands and supports him. They've been you know, just kind of nice and supportive the whole match. Clearly a lot of motion there. I assume a lot of people probably in the building were there the night the WWF was there. Yeah, and, that's got to be a weird feeling because it was only a couple right? months ago. 
I'm sure it's a little bit cathartic for them as well. Yeah. And, um, yeah, Brett points to the ceiling, you know, kind of a famous moment. I think that was in the it was on the back of his book, the first hardcover, I think. That's how I knew which Nitro to look for. It, right. it misattributes the date, though. It says October 8th, 1999. Uh, this oh, is yeah. October 4th. This is a live episode, so... Regardless, it was hard, it, yeah, it's hard it, to get dates of that sort of thing because he would like some things would be messed up and yeah, I don't know. Yeah, he always kept a journal about what where he was. Right, when. yeah, that's true too. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, um, I caught it, but I mean, yeah, then Brackett's on the second rope. He signals, "I love you" in sign language. Whether that's for the crowd or that's for Owen, I'm like, man, I just saw him do that for Owen on Raw two years before. I got a little emotional. I'll be honest with you. I yeah, was like, man, that's like. It's that thing of like it's the power of love it goes beyond the grave, man. Like it's powerful, it's brotherly, it's a beautiful thing. Yeah. Man. Um, so yeah, Brett and Benoit embrace as the commentary falls silent for Brett to salute the fans. And, yeah, I said uh, yeah, mercifully the commentators stay silent. They stay silent, and uh, Brett and Benoit leave together. They kind of give a little bit of respect to Harley Race, and uh, we go from there. Um, now, Will, we also need to point out, yeah, this is in the middle. This is the middle of an episode of Nitro. Yep. There are other things happening on the show at the time. Yep. And, uh, Will, you mentioned before the show got on the air, they're like, oh, yeah, there's like uh, some other stuff going on here. Uh, Will, what what else is going on in this episode of uh, Nitro? How does the show end? Well, the through line of this Nitro is, I guess, Sid Vicious and Goldberg are feuding. So Sid begins Nitro in the parking lot, counting the parking spots. They're all numbered. And he finds number 22, where Goldberg has parked his car. And he's like on the phone later on to, I guess, arrange for something to happen to Goldberg's car. Goldberg then just leaves in the middle of the show, leaving his spot empty. Mm-hmm. The uh, a PA comes and grabs uh, Sid and says, Sid, you got to move your car. And Sid says, you move my car. Throws the keys to this PA named Moses. Moses, you move my car for me. So Moses parks Sid's car in spot 22, and Moses walks away muttering, uh, move the car, do this, do that, get the T-shirts, Moses. As Moses walks away, the truck to pick up the car, um, it's like a big, big flatbed truck, right? You put a car on it, and it drives it away. So this truck comes up to drive this car away, and uh, at the end of the show, uh, Sid's like, hey, Moses, man, where's my car? And Moses says, spot 22. And Sid says, 22, oh, God. And he runs over and he sees that his car is a cube. This truck took the car away and then brought the car back to put it back in the same spot as a cube. Sid runs up and kicks the cube and then stands next to it and gestures wildly. And he curses Goldberg. He says, why me? Why me? Uh, It's very good. I really do encourage you to uh, check it out if you haven't uh, had a chance to do that Uh, before you can look up. I think I think I I think I look for Sid Nitro uh, car and I found it quite well. Yeah, I just said uh, Sid. uh, Why me Goldberg? I think is what I looked up. Why me me Goldberg? Why why me Goldberg? Truly. It's uh, supremely stupid. Yeah, it's very dumb and very amusing. And that's how the show ends. (laughs) A very serious show with that. Um, yeah, I'm watching this match, Will, and for me, I'm like, as I'm thinking about a rating for it, I'm like, I might have liked their Mayhem match more, maybe? I don't know. I think there's, like, uh, in a match like this, it's harder to tell, like, a story. Yeah. I guess I would argue that it's, it's a bit tougher that way, because it's just, like, the story is that we're wrestling because we like a guy, but, I, like, I'm not mad at you, or I don't hate you, or anything like that. So, I struggled with that a little bit, uh, but it's still, like, a you know, as I, as I say, a TBT, ITBT, etc., because it's a good match, and worth watching, and... Uh, cathartic and a bit necessary, I would say, if you're a fan of Owen Hart and you want to pay tri- tribute to him. 
I think you got to watch their tribute match. You owe it to yourself. Your thoughts on the match, Will? Yeah, I give it the same rating. I think it's a good match. I'm surprised by the physicality of it, but I think when you have these two guys involved, you know, if they're going to do any sort of tribute, they're going to go all the way with it, and they did, and it was really yeah. good. And, um, yeah, really uh, kind of um, standout moment in a really weird era of uh, Monday Nitro. Um, yes. But yeah, it was. Uh, it's definitely a good match that you should check out. That's it, folks. So check that out. Uh, and, yeah, we're coming to the end of the episode here. So I want to tell you about the next show that we're covering. We're covering the go-home show for In Your House, Cold Day in Hell. It is the Ooh. May 5th, 1997 episode of Raw is War. We're in May now. And the bonus match for that show will be the Hart Foundation going up against the British Bulldogs from Saturday night's main event from April 1987. That is going to be fun to watch wow. and talk about. Looking forward to that. Uh, folks, you can find us on Smack Attic Pod on Instagram and Twitter. You can share the show with a friend. You can also review us on Apple Podcasts if you want to tell Tim Cook that we're good. I'd appreciate if you did that. Tell tell, uh, tell Tim. Tell, tell Tim we're here. I mean, you got to say, you got to at least say, you know, Tim, we've got I Love You Beth Cooper's Will Vaughn is on the show, at least on this episode. Uh, and I want to exchange. You know, said, Will, thank you for being here. I appreciate you taking time off from, uh, well, I guess wearing that great shirt, I would say. Oh, thank uh, you, yeah. Visual medium, I realize, is not helpful here for a podcast. But, uh, uh, yeah, just to be clear, I am wearing a cardigan in, in Halifax, <laughs> Nova Scotia. Will is in Vancouver and wearing – is that a Hawaiian shirt? What is that? It's like a, I mean, it's you could call shirt. it a Hawaiian shirt, yeah. No, yeah. I mean, I feel like when I hear Hawaiian shirt, I think it's something more gaudy. And that's a little bit more uh, um, spiffy, I would say. This yeah, is more so. – uh, yeah, this is more Capone. That's it. Capone, I'd love to see it. Folks – Thank you for joining us. Look forward to talking to you again next week. Uh, I hope you didn't park at spot 22. 22? Why me? Why me?